That's some sensational catch. Absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Maiello. Hammered down the ground. It could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed. That's 50 for Furbrush. What a knock that is from him. Outstanding striking. And that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could be a catch. What a catch. One-handed grab. And that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh, my days. We have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Under the Covers, Guernsey Cricket's very own podcast. I'm Ben Furbrush, Guernsey Cricket Development Manager. And on this podcast, we will be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators, and other cricketing keen beans along the way. On today's episode, we welcome on power-hitting coach and ex-Hampshire batsman, Julian Wood. Okay, welcome to the podcast, uh, Julian Wood, ex-Hampshire cricketer, now turned power-hitting coach. Thank you very much for coming along. Pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Good to be here. So explain to us a bit about your background in cricket. Um, you obviously played professionally with Hampshire. How was it you got involved in cricket in the, in the first place? Was it just playing at home? Yeah, playing at home. My dad played, uh, uh, played club cricket, um, MCC stuff. And he was just like, he basically sowed the seed for me from a young age. Um, you know, cricket is like it sort of gets inside you and it, it sort of, you know, it lights you up a bit and I've got the bug for it and it's been like that ever since. And 50 years later, I'm still going strong. So, and that's how basically I got into it was by my dad. And then along with that, uh, was it always through the Hampshire age groups you went and then, and then until you actually got the... You know, um, no, I sort of did it, I did it a different way, a better way, I think. I didn't play any county cricket until I was 15. I didn't play any age group stuff until I was 15. And I knew I was quite good, I think. Um, but I'd never even, there was no pressure on me. My dad, especially, never put any pressure on me whatsoever. He just let me go and play. And then it was when I went to like secondary school, um, a place called Leighton Park in Reading, where the, the, the um, sports coach, the head of cricket, was a guy called Mark Simmons, who was with... Um, captain of Berkshire. So he basically sent me to some trials, under 15 trials. And it all happened like really quickly because in those days you had, you didn't have like Bunbury like you have now. You have, uh, you had like the Esker England schools. So really from going to the trial, so from doing nothing and then three, basically four months later, I played for England under 15. So it all happened really quickly. And then, then I thought then I could make a living at this. So that's how it's sort of, but the great thing, I think there's a lot of pressure put on young players when they're in the age groups from like 10, under 10s and that. And yeah. one thing I've learned being a parent now, because I've got a son who's 15, he's in the, in the Hampshire pathway with the academy and stuff. One thing I've realised that when they play county stuff, county age groups under 10s, 11s, 12s, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It's just getting them out there to play cricket. But when you're a parent, I can see that it's the be-all and end-all, but it really isn't. Yeah. Obviously, the older you get, the more important it gets. So he's now get the age of 15, 16. But I've learned as a parent that it really fit 12. I'm trying to explain that to parents, they don't get it. Yeah. But it really doesn't matter. <laughs> is, is your young boy involved in, in Hampshire then? Or? Yeah, he's with Hampshire. And, uh, he's, he, could went through, he got to Bunbury this year. Right. He was going to Bunbury, but obviously that didn't happen because of COVID, which was a shame for him. But yeah, he's in the under-18s now, so he's he's young, he's 16. Well, he will be 16 in the new year. So he's in there set up and, you know, he's been playing. He played a couple of games for the academy this year, which was good for him. 
Yeah. Um, hopefully, he, he obviously wants to get on the academy at the end of next year. So, we'll see how he goes. But he's, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Yeah, and then from there, uh, after you actually played professionally, you went, you went back to minor counties, didn't you? Yeah, I, uh, I finished playing at 25, and then I got released at 25. Then I went back. I didn't really want to play, to be honest. Um, but you've got to make, you know, you've got to make a living. So I played for Berkshire and it wasn't until I captained Berkshire the last five years of my career. So I probably, I, and I didn't play minor counties for a while. I played the first couple of seasons after being released. Then I sort of lost a bit of interest. Then I got back into it. I was always coaching, always coaching, but I just lost the buzz to play. And then I got it back again and then I captained them, captained them for five years, which was really good fun. I enjoyed that. Um, and with, because I'd accepted that I wasn't going to be a professional cricketer anymore. Right. So I just played the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that, that was really good. So I played minor counties. and then, But I've always coached. Ever since I stopped playing professionally, uh, the game has always been, it's always been in me. So I've always coached. It just That was just a natural progression for me. Yeah, and then with, with that, you mentioned about your coaching there. Um, we'll get on to talk about what you currently do. Have you always been a batting specialist or is it more just of a, a, a you know, a, an all-round coach? Um, I think when you work at schools, like I worked at Leighton Park, I worked at various schools, um, batting was my, I think everybody has what they're, what they're good at. Batting was my, um, batting was my specialist subject. But then when you work in a school, you have to coach, you, you coach everything. So, um, and it's only recently now, say recently, probably the last five years but probably 10 definitely the last five years where I've just been seen as a batting hitting specialist yeah yeah so we'll go on to that then so your your power hitting specialist um how did that sort of come about and how did you go about you know starting your own business um with that sort of very niche uh coaching link if you like okay so we started I've run an academy um the JW Cricket Academy now that's been going for 15 years um, the power hitting side of it hasn't, it's probably been going for 10, right? Right, properly for probably for six years, I'd say. Um, the reason, um, the reason I started the academy was purely for my son, my eldest son, who's now 21, so he was like five or six and he was quite a good player, you know, talented boy. Um, and then whenever we went to club nets, it was all just tennis ball stuff and really sort of basic and boring he got bored he would have he would have he didn't want to go in the end so the reason we started the academy was basically for him and we got the youngsters who were good enough to play hardball from a really early age so to challenge them you know um so that's how the academy started and that's just grown gone on as it does um the power hitting side was we went to america um a good friend of mine lived out in texas so we went out to Texas, spent some time with him. And I met a guy called Scotty Corber, who was the hitting coach for the Texas Rangers, uh, Major League Baseball. Um, he knew nothing about cricket, but they know about hitting a ball. Anyway, T20 had just started to evolve over here, just started. So to start with, it was a bit hit and giggle. All the players were just like, you know, fun new way of playing cricket. Um, and then it got a bit more serious, obviously, when the money came in. And players actually then started um, to take it a bit more seriously and they wanted to learn more about it. Cricket was always very hand-dominant. You know, you time the ball, you lead with your head. You know, everything's set up with the normal 
traditional technique, everything's set up for rolling the wrists, keeping the ball down, getting your head over the ball. And then suddenly people wanted to hit with more power. Suddenly these phrases came in and power hitting is probably one of those phrases that came about. Strike rates, uh, ball exit speed, hand speed, things like that. Um, And then they started to take a bit more seriously. So I kept going back to the States and kept uh, spending time with these guys, with these coaches, um, the hitting coaches and the players. Um, So maybe, um, maybe I saw where the game was going probably a little bit sooner than other people did. I could see what was going to happen. So I just started writing stuff down. I've got this book, this ideas book that I just put, and I've, it's, I've used some of the stuff, of a lot of the stuff, but there's some stuff in there that I wrote probably five years ago that I haven't used yet. So right. yeah, the timing is quite important for all this. Um, then I came back and I, was, I did a coaching um, seminar with Graham Thorpe, England's batting coach. And I said, I've got something for you. I think you might be interested in this so I showed him at the back of my van actually in a car park it must have looked really dodgy Hmm. Um, so I showed him some of these and he was like you know what they're really good that's that's interesting so then he spoke to Peter Moores who was the batting coach England's batting coach Um, then uh, he got me in to work with two players I worked with Alex Hells and, and, and Michael Lum and I did a day with them and from then then it all just sort of snowballed a bit and he got me in uh, working with the the national squad, and then uh, then it just sort of went from there. Counties started getting me in, and then it went a bit more global, which was really good. So I went out to Australia and worked with them, and then um, did a bit with Pakistan, and then the franchise stuff started coming in, and then you know so that's how it's just snowballing. It's gone on from there, and yeah, it's it's amazing where the game's gone, and it's it's amazing, really. With a lot of it was done in this guy's back garden in Texas. I just started working on it in a in a hitting cage that he had made. I was just that's how it all started, which is quite quite cool really. I mean as a donor sport, baseball is is another one for, for throwing as well. Throwing is massive in cricket. The yeah, same they, baseball. We've used a lot of baseball um coaches hit uh, sorry um throwing coaches yeah over here but nobody's really used um, and what I did, I just looked at how they hit the ball. They generate a lot of power up through their body and and out through their hands. Whereas we, like I said earlier, we're very we were always very hand dominant, time the ball, you know. Yeah. And then so now I just looked at their techniques um, and tried to and spoken to their coaches about how they how they generate power up through the body. And they hit against the brace front leg, which we never do, but now we're starting to do. Yeah. The key thing is how you coach that. That's the difficult thing. And um, so that's something, again, so I tutor, like you said, on the level three. And I, yesterday I was with the, uh, I tutored on the level four. So right. the message is getting out there now. And it's uh, it's good. So so with that, to delve a bit deeper into that, um, how do you go about your theories and your methods around the power hitting? Uh, and what sort of things have you, uh, or would you go to first to coach? Well, if I have a young player, Right, so you know you, you need you need your your batting fundamentals, right? So what whatever age really you need your fundamentals, um, and and my batting fundamentals, which I use for my hitting fundamentals, because it's the same thing. You're trying to hit a ball, um, is very much balance, rhythm, and alignment. Those are the three things. So you need balance, you need rhythm, 
and you also just need to line the ball up. So when I have a young player, I will look firstly at how how I can generate more power in his normal technique. Right. Right, in his normal technique. I won't mention the word. Everybody comes to me now for, <clears throat> for you know, my son can bat. He just needs to hit the ball harder. You know, yeah. my son. This, and so, but if he hasn't got the fundamentals, if he hasn't got a good setup, if he's not balanced, if there's no rhythm there and, and he's, he can't line the ball up, then you've got to basically go back to that. You know, and then from there, once you get those, then you can start sticking meat on the bone. And, 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 you know, really getting into him, right, this is how you, because your movements are good now. So now we can look at how can we generate power. I can improve hand speed in 10 minutes, just technically. Yeah. So the young other, players or any players, really. The, the other thing that uh, we used in our level three uh, was some hurling sticks. Yeah. Talk a bit, a bit about the background of that as well. Um, well, I went over to Ireland. I did some work with the Irish. Um, and then I met a guy. Um, who played, he was a hurling player. So um, and I was intrigued. I'd watched, I'd seen it, but never sort of watched it, if that makes sense. So I went and watched them train one evening after we'd finished working. And I'd never seen a hurling, never seen a hurling stick, held a hurling stick before, and or a ball. So then I just went and watched them train, and I was amazed at how hard they hit the thing. They hit it miles. And yeah. the, a hurling stick's very thin, as you, you know, you've, you've used on the, on the level three. But when you pick up a cricket bat, right, you, you pick up someone's bat, what do you do? You sort of play a drive, don't you? you sort of shadow. Yeah. You might shadow a drive or you might shadow a back foot punch or something. Um, but when you hold a hurling stick, you just want to sort of do this with it. It's sort of just quite yeah. wristy. You want to just use your wrist. So when you look at sort of what these players are doing now, people like Butler and Billings and, and, and people like that. Butler does it very naturally. So these guys now, because they've got great fundamentals, right? Their fundamentals are spot on. But what they do, right, how can, I, um, how can I generate more power? How can I get more power off certain balls? You know, so that's all they do now. You know, they, they've got that. They've got that. The, the pros do it very naturally because there's, there's no, they don't get coached to do it. Yeah. The top, I'm, I'm, I'm talking now, I'm talking top, top level, right? Top, top level. They don't get coached because they have that freedom. All right. So what you need to do is you give players freedom, but you shape that freedom. You need to shape the freedom. So anyway, we've just gone off there. But so the hurling sticks, the reason I use them is Josh Butler's very wristy. Um, so I use the hurling sticks to give the player the feel of, of using his wrists. Yeah. So yeah. once you hold a hurling stick, and it's funny, I've got footage now of my lad who's been brought up with this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He give him a hurling stick. He'll do all the drills we do really well. And I did a video for the ECB um, the end of last, the end of the summer. And Ryan Higgins, who I've done a lot of work with, Gloucester, he came down to do, do the video. And we did the hurling drill, right? And the difference between the two of them. Ryan Higgins is a seriously good cricketer, a very good batter, and my lad, fifteen years old, right? But the difference in the two was unbelievable. I use that now in my level four. Right. Ryan just looks so mechanically like robotic with it in his hand, whereas my lad is all fluent and and it just goes to show that because he's been brought up with it. Yeah. You know, it's a very natural thing for him to do, whereas Ryan, who's a batter, struggled massively. So now Ryan now uses it in in like warm ups and things like that, just to try and make him a bit more 
fluent and to make him move. It's all about footwork and, it, and it's all about movement. So that's how the hurling sticks came in. Um, and as a coach, you know, one thing that I'm really, one thing that I'm good at and one thing I pride myself on is, is I'm not scared to think outside of the box. I'm really not. I'm, and there's no rules now, really. Like I said, once you've got those fundamentals, you know, you can do anything you want, you know. And if you see something, you think, you know, that, that might work. Give it a go. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You haven't lost anything. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the massive thing nowadays, um, particularly, and even something I found on my level three, uh, especially with regards to batting, because there's not so much of a safety issue there with yeah. terms of bowling technique. But in batting, it, it seems that, you know, if, if something works for you, then almost why is it working? Not the yeah. old English way of, you know, high front arm, uh, mm. the bat like this, hold the bat like this. This is the only way you should play. It seems to have done us full 180. Uh, with you know if it works then why is it working can we make it even better absolutely and I think as coaches you've got to coach coach the why before you coach the how yeah and I don't think coach I don't think we do that you know if you coach if I'm a player I want to know why why first and then tell me how to do it yeah you know because if you just miss that bit the why bit then they don't really understand the players need to understand and it's a feel thing as well you see so once you feel it that's why I use a lot of the, you know, the weighted balls. Yeah, so I was going to about the weighted balls. Yeah, weighted balls, the weighted bats. So you start to, you get your basic fundamentals and then you're just overloading, you know, you're overloading technique. And I've got a system that I use with players, um, an OU weighted bat and ball program. That You know, these guys, these guys their hand speed increases over like 30% in, in six months and and 18% in, in, sorry, 18% is six months, and uh, up to 30% in 12 months. And, and, that's, and then you've that's got that, sorry, go on. Sorry, that, that's all with the weighted balls and, and the heavier bats. Yeah, weighted balls, so you have used different weighted bats with different weighted balls. Um, then you've got, you know, contrast training that I use, so with, again, really heavy, like the weighted bats, but the heavy ones, and then go straight down to the light ones. Um, you know, just work in your kinetic chain because yeah. when you hit a ball, you use your body now. So it starts from your legs, it comes up to your core, you know, your back and then your shoulder, your front shoulder, your elbow and then your wrist. There's a ton of energy stored in your wrists like we spoke about the hurling stick. And a lot of players don't use it. You know, there's a load of energy stored in your wrists. And if you um, if you can't use them, yeah, because they're the final piece in the puzzle, you see. So, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's a different game now, and it's a good game. You also did another drill with us um, with uh, – you're almost like strapped into sort of like a tension system, if you like. Yeah, so again, you would – that's – yeah, it's called the power hitter. So what that is, again, because power comes from the ground up, what you're doing, you connect your hips. So what happens is you need all your kinetic chain of events, right, your pelvic tilt. Right, so the pelvic tilt basically connects your lower half to your top half. Right, so that's basically, if you're a golfer, you'll understand this. So what that does is you're basically connected by the hip and you're working your back leg, right, getting into those angles that we talk about, power rails and power angles, those L shapes in the back leg. Right, so what the reason you have that, then you use that with the weighted balls, weighted bats, and then you just get a very powerful... It's a very powerful workout if you want. And then you take it off and then you're almost flying out your boots at the ball. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's purely overloading. So that you, the bats, the weighted bats and weighted balls, um, they, the balls sit on. Well, you, you you've you've used them, so they sit on the bat. You've really got to hit through the ball. It teaches you yeah. to hit through the ball. So you're overloading that, and then you're overloading your, your basically your lower half as well. I, I guess like a a sort of a, a budget option of that is probably something with a. Um, a theraband almost like yeah theraband just anything that again you stick it on your back leg yeah it around your back leg anything like that and again that's just thinking outside of the box yeah yeah you know think of ways of of, of, do, of doing it you know and then one other thing you, we definitely did was a um sort of like a, a hop over a hurdle yeah uh, and then we have to almost hit the the ball uh, an underarm feed of a tennis ball just with the end of the, the bat handle yeah uh, Explain a bit about the theory behind that. It's quite fascinating. Okay, so the, the bat handle, right? Yeah. The quickest route from A to B, A is your hands and B the ball, is a, is a straight line. Okay, so you're looking to create a straight line. So basically your, your, your feet, right? Your feet will control your hands. Your feet lead your hands. So when you talk about the fundamentals, the last one of the fundamentals was um, lining yourself up alignment that was the last one so if you get your feet in the right place then your hands will basically your hands will always go to the ball but the reason we hit the ball with the the end of the handle or there's another thing i say again different players need different different terminology different language to understand so imagine there's a torchlight on the handle so you're shining the torchlight on the ball yeah all right so basically you're keeping your hands in nice and close and it's the quickest most direct route to the ball all right, so that's yeah. what that's for. The hurdles, when you when you bat, you lead with your head. When you hit, you lead with your your, your hip. So you start. We start on. The, you've got two hurdles. You start on the on the front one. You play the shot. You hit the ball. Then you jump back. As soon as you skip over, as soon as your back foot hits the floor, yeah, it go, you you push off. So you're transferring that weight. You want to be. You don't want to be on the floor for too long. So you're generating that force as quick as you can, then you play the shot, and then you hop over again. And then when you go forwards, as soon as your front foot lands, your head stops going forward, and then you almost just rotate. So it's very, very rotational. And that's where the pelvic tilt, like I, I mentioned earlier, it comes into it, because that connects your lower half to your top half. Yeah. All right? You need to have that connection. And then, all, then it's the rhythm and timing of the movements. Once you get the rhythm and timing of the movements right, that's when you hit the ball. You see these guys hit the ball 120 metres. You're listening to Under the Covers, Guernsey's very own cricket podcast. We'll be back after the short break. Bowled him! Beautiful bit of bowling from William Peatfield. The stump comes crashing out the ground and that's a big wicket here in Guernsey versus Denmark at the KG5. That's the first wicket. Letizia is the one who strikes, he gives it a big celebration, he writes it up in a book, he notes it down and sends them off. You can add Manpreet Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letizia needed, that's the breakthrough Guernsey needed, and that's the breakthrough that Mark Ladder to my left wants a big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Cover drive for four. Stokes already finding the boundary twice in this game. So something I wanted to delve into a little bit deeper is about power hitting. Some of the best players nowadays actually play the stroke and you can see the top of their helmet. It's almost like they're more focused on contact rather than the outcome of the ball and where the ball's actually gone to. Yeah, but again, you see, again, working, something I learned with the, um, working with the Texas Rangers was they, 
they have uh, there's a guy called Adrian Beltray, who's a bit of a legend in Major League Baseball. He's a hitter. He's been around for years. So watching him train, right? So he will go in the cage and hit balls, and he won't. And they hit on the pitch, so it's like they do range hitting, like we do in yeah. cricket. And if you watch him, he'll do it for like 15, 16 minutes, and he'll hit the ball, but he never looks at where it's gone. He just he just worries about this bit. He's worried about the process, right? And he doesn't look once. Right, so he hit the ball and his head will just stay down, like exactly like you said. He knows where it's gone. He doesn't need to see. He knows the outcome. I think there's too many young players, and even with the when I was with the Rangers, you watch a young rookie go in. He'd hit the ball and he's looking straight away. He wants to see it go in the stands. He wants to see it hit the the, the hit the seats. Yeah. You know, so as soon as they hit it, they look because they want to see. Whereas, and that's probably natural for young players, but again, it's a cultural thing. If you can embed that from a young age, that you don't need to worry about where it's gone because the outcome will take care of itself if the process is good. So you worry about the process, the outcome will just happen for you. And that's quite a difficult, difficult theory for young players to, to get their heads around, I think. Yeah, yeah. See, in every everything instant, don't they? They want it now, and you can yeah. buy stuff now. You yeah. can get next day, same day delivery. You can just press a button. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But if you worry about the, if you trust the process, the outcome will take care of itself. And then finally, the other thing we sort of used um, on our level three was uh, the sort of pocket radar about hand speed. Yeah. Um, with both, I think we did it with both a cricket bat and a baseball bat. Um, just explain yeah. a bit about that. The ball was obviously on a tee as well. So the ball was on a baseball hitting tee, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so the reason I use a um, stationary ball is because you have to, the batter has to have, add sorry, all the power. There's no movement of the ball, all right? So the batter has to add everything. So, you know, and then with the radars, anything that you can measure um, can be improved on. It's as simple as that. Now you've got, um, I'm doing some work with um, straight bat, which um, are a little sticker they put on the back of the bat. Yeah, um, and that measures ball exit speed and velocity and bat angles and things like that. There's about there's a few. There's stance beam that's out there. Yep. There's smart bat and and things like that. There's another one coming out, which is being made by Force Train, who make the bats. Um, they um, they're making one that you don't need to put anything on the bat. So that'd be quite that should be out in the next week or so. So right. I'm intrigued to see how how that's going to work. But there's a lot of things like that. And again, it's instant feedback which is really good. And once you can measure, so if your ball exit speed is, sorry, if your hand speed is, say, 60, you know, your ball, ex, your ball exit speed should be 60, all right? Yeah. So if your hand speed, then you're using 100% of your body to hit the ball. Yeah. Okay, but if it's not, if, you're, if your hand speed is 60 and your ball exit speed is, is 20, then there's something seriously lacking in your technique. So... Then you have to look at your, your technique, fix that, and and then your your ball exit speed will go up. But you know, it's it's all this data now. Data's good. Data's good because there's no comeback from the player. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. there. It's proof. There it is. You know, you can I, I, you can't lie to me now. Um, but yeah, so you know, when we started doing that, I just thought this is good because you know when I played, you either had quick hands or you didn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I was lucky enough when I batted, my hands went up nice and high. Um, and they, they were quick, um, but I didn't work at that. It just sort of happened. But now you can, you know, you either had quick hands or you didn't. You had sort of normal hands. Yeah. Nobody ever said, God, his hands are slow. But they always said, oh, God, his hands are quick. 
So, but now you can measure stuff, measure hand speed and ball exit speed, then, you know, then you can actually work on it, you know. And the first thing I do with young players is measure their hand speed. And if they, if they fall into that, that category, then in that elite category, as I call it, then you can sort of push them ahead a bit further. And if they don't, then you can work on, on improving hand speed. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. It's obviously still, it still even is now ahead of its time, uh, as oh. the cricket probably still is. Massive, massive. It's so far. And it's funny when I first came, when I first came back from the States and I said, uh, I said, you know what? I said, this is, this is, I said to my, to my, to my wife, actually, there's something in this, you know, this is good. This is, this is taking things. This is just blowing the tradition out, out of the water a little bit. And, uh, but I came back and the number of people who, no, 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 never. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. And the great thing, I just stood there and said, you know what, you really can. And then when you get likes of England using you and Australia, and and then when those guys are using you, then they don't, if you're no good, they don't use you. Yeah. It's as yeah. simple as that. So, you know, that's your biggest, you know, and then it's like, okay, you can tell me whatever you want. It doesn't matter because this is the way to do it. And if you don't, the game is dictating now how you play. And the game is dictating how you coach. The balls are getting less, you know. It's 100 balls, so 120 balls. That's 100 ball next year with the, with the 100. There's T10 in Dubai, you know. So it's, the game's getting shorter. Um, but test cricket is still, is still the best. It's still the greatest format for me. You know, I make all my money out of white ball cricket. I make my living out of white ball cricket. Yeah. But I'd rather watch a test match. The Ashes. Actually, but one thing in test matches is the, the scores. Uh, or the scoring rate has definitely increased with the evolution of one-day cricket. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the teams are scoring 400, 500 in a day. That never used to happen. That, that no, and it's good. Fun. It's good to watch. You want to see yeah. that. And and to me, there's three formats now. There's, there's you know, whereas maybe five years ago or three years ago, it was, it was red ball, white ball. Now there's red ball, white ball and white ball. Yeah. So to me, T20 and 50 over cricket are going further apart now. T20 now, if you watch the IPL, you know, it's some of the ball striking, they're, they're the fielding, you know, these guys, they're serious athletes. And it's, it's getting more like baseball. Yeah. It really is getting more like baseball. With regards to the IPL, have you done anything with the IPL? Rajasthan Royals. Um, I did like, I was due to go pre-camp pre-tournament this year but obviously COVID stopped that which was a shame but hopefully they're going to get me back get me back out next year I did some online stuff with them yeah um, which was okay but it's a bit difficult online to yeah, yeah, no. players, but it was fine um, but that's the big one that's the one everybody wants I've done the big bash I've done the Dubai one um, you know PSL Pakistan Super League and obviously the blast here. Um, yeah. I'd love to love to do the IPL. And hopefully next year I'll get a little taste of it, which would be good. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, on, on top of that, how do you sort of combat with uh, obviously the, the the power hating side of things? Bowlers are obviously getting more savvy, bowling slower balls, cutters variation. Yeah. Uh, how do you sort of coach that? Is it setting up for the slower ball or is it setting up for the the quicker ball? Depends who's bowling, really. If there's someone. Um, if if you've got a like like a Benny Howe who we yeah. mentioned earlier on, so if you've got a Benny who you, you set yourself for the slower ball with him and then react to anything else. If it's like Jofra Archer and you'd probably at the start of the innings you'd just set yourself a pace. Yeah. 
And as you go, if you're still in at the end of the innings, then obviously you're seeing it pretty well. Yeah. Um, then you'd set yourself, um, set yourself for the, for, at that pace, you'd, you'd set yourself for, for, the, for the quicker one and react. Yeah. React. Otherwise, it just it goes through you. But like for him, see, you're watching bowl and he's bowling slow balls in the first two overs. You know, he can bowl 95 miles an hour. So yeah. you don't need to bowl a slow ball first, first two overs of a T20. He should be running in with a new ball bowling as quick as he can, I think. But, so you've also worked quite a lot with uh, Sam Billings as well? Uh, yeah, did a lot with Sam. So well, I'm pleased to see. Yeah, yeah, he's done really well, actually. He's worked a lot on his... Um, if you watched him previously... Yeah. Um, he, he sort of his hands dropped a bit, so he had that little, you know, his, the tip of the bat went down, so lower than his hands. So he had a lot of work to do, and he's just basically he's copied Virat Kohli. If you watch his, if you watch his setup now, he's very Kohliish to me. Right. Um, and he's he's done brilliantly actually. I think he's been a bit unlucky up till now. He's sort of been in and out, never yeah. really had a good run, and then he's previously, no, recently, sorry, he's he's um. He's finished really well, you know. He's sort of he wants to be sort of turned into one of these finishers, yeah. which is a really you know it's a unique, it's a good skill because not everybody can do it. So that gives him an extra, you know, if he can do, it, he's only got to do it two or three times, and then then he's sort of in. Yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. definitely proved that he can play at that level now, and it's good. It's just like everything; it takes time for these players, you know, to adjust to international yeah. cricket. Yeah, something you mentioned there was about about the the toe of the bat. Um, in, is the theory behind that that if the toe of the bat is, is higher, it's got a bigger swing pattern, if you like, uh, which creates yeah, more... Yeah, if you look at um, Darwin Milan, another one, you know, probably the best uh, the best T20 batter at the moment, I would say, on, on, on stats. Yeah. Um, if you look at, at what he's done, um, well, if your bat's pointing straight up, then basically, if your bat's pointing straight up, then you're un- unweighting the bat. You've taken all the weight out of the bat. Yeah. Um, otherwise, if the bat, when the bat is flat in line with the stumps or lower than the hands, yeah, then all the weight's in the bat. Um, you know, and you look at someone like Milan, you know, principally by keeping his hands higher, um, and he creates a greater arc for the for the swing the swing of the bat. Basically, you know, and again, it's that rhythm. You're getting that rhythm. You can start with your hands wherever you want. Morgan's very high. He starts them up here. Yeah. Ernesto's up high, but then he lowers them because his hands, the reason he does that is to get the timing because his hands are so quick, he has to slow them down. Right. Um, Dre Russ, Andre Russell, who's probably the biggest power yeah. player in the world, you know, in T20, destroys people. You know, he sometimes starts with his bat on the floor, you know. So, again, it doesn't matter, but it's how it, your hands will always go to the ball, but it's, it's how they get there, yeah. how they get to the ball. Yeah, and then we did speak earlier, but um, the sort of uh, breaking of the wrists almost. You almost like it almost looks like players are almost not cutting their their swing short, but almost just whipping those wrists right through it. Just, just yeah. Just, again, it depends. Um, you know, one thing I've done a lot on now recently, which I'm using the level four, is like levers. You look at levers, and you know I've done a lot of work with Carlos Brathwaite. Now this guy's six foot five. He's a monster. Yeah. And then you've got, when I went, say, out with the Dolphins in South Africa, you've got Marcus Ackerman, who's five foot six. So you can't coach them the same way. They're very, very different. You know, um, Carlos is just built for power. Um, he's got a long swing because of his levers. 
Um, he stays in that. There's big tall guys. They stay in the ball for longer because obviously they're long. Yeah. Um, but they, there's, they need that big. They need to try to shorten him up a bit. It didn't work. He needs his levers. <clears throat> um, but one thing they struggle with is staying on the shot, staying in the shot because they're so big. Yeah. So with him, with him, it's just keeping or with big guys like that. It's just keeping them in the shot for longer. Then you've got someone who's five foot six, like Marcus, very quick. Everything's quick about him. A bit like Sam. Sam's very quick. Everything's quick, very fast twitch. Those guys are quicker in the zone, um, but their movements are more efficient. The smaller ones, they obviously maybe have a bit more coordination about them than the big guys. Yeah. And they're easier to work with, I find. Um, but the trouble with them is <clears throat> it's that they're almost it's the rhythm and timing of the movements is crucial because they can be too quick through the ball. Yeah. So it's, it's almost, it's almost tempo. You know, you don't need to swing at a hundred, hundred percent. You know, if you swing the, if you swing about at 90%. So it's just getting them to work on tempo. Yeah. And then what's the sort of future or what's in store for, I guess, obviously at the moment you're still sort of in uh, lockdown restrictions in the UK. Yeah, we're still. I work at Bradfield College, so I've still got the school job, which is great. Um, at the moment, I've uh, I've got you know I'm doing stuff with straight bat. I'm doing stuff like the Zoom stuff's been gone mad, really. The, the Zoom. I've done lots yeah. of uh, lots of webinars and and all over the world, really. Singapore, Australia, which has been good. And the Zoom. Okay, lockdown's been shocking, but. <clears throat> One good thing to come out of it is this, is is being able to reach more people yeah. <clears throat> via Zoom, uh, which is good. So I've got trips booked. It's just where I, when I can get out there, um, Australia, um, America. I was due to go to America. That would have been a good one. But yeah. I have to, whenever they're in a right mess. Well, I see they've just, they've just released uh, or about to release a T20 competition. Yeah, so this T20 is propping up everywhere. It's, it's, yeah. somewhere. it's, a great, it's great to be involved in the game. Yeah. Now, so you know, I think the game is like I said; it won't get any. The game is dictating how you play, and the game is dictating how you coach. And you've got to you've got to be open minded. How do you go about coaching? Obviously, uh, sort of eliminating, I guess, the fear of failure. Uh, because with with this, you're obviously trying to hit the ball as far as you can, um, eliminating that fear factor if you could get out. Uh, okay, so if you look. I, the word fear, I think, is, is, a, is, is not a great word to use. So you could say fearless cricket and fear of failure. But fear, is, 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 it's a scary word. So even if you say, I want you to play fearless, yeah. fearless cricket, that word is, is, is still in it, fear, isn't it? It's still in that, it's still in the, in, the, in that phrase. So I think you need to change the word, you know, Trace the, the phrase, I have belief in you or something like that. Um, but if you, it's interesting, if you look at Sunil Narine, right, you know, the, the West Indian. Yeah. <clears throat> so his average in, we were doing, a, I was doing a thing on this the other day, his average in test cricket or 50 over cricket when he, he just plays T20, that was like eight, all right, it was nothing. He went out to the IPL and they just watched him bat and he just like slogs it. But he opens the innings now in T20 cricket. And the reason is he faces on average, his average is 18, right? Which is bloody good for a guy who can't really bat, who just slogs it. His average is 18 and he faces 10 balls on average every T20, right? But the thing with him, because he's never been a batter, he's never had that 
uh, that fear of getting out because he's never been a batter. Yeah. So when you look at it now, I think we can look at, you look at bowlers and I can see this maybe possibly happening more in T20 cricket at the top level is these guys, they don't know what it's like to fear getting out or be afraid of getting out because they've never had it. So if you can get them at the top of the order, they will play with that freedom that batters yeah. don't play with because batters have always been right. You've got to defend your castle. You mustn't get out. Yeah. But these guys, these guys don't have that mindset. They have a completely different mindset. So if he bats every T20 and gets 18 and faces 10 balls, he'll probably take that. Cause that's yeah. a strike rate of 180. His strike rate is phenomenal. Yeah. 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 So how do you go about, um, with young players, like you said, especially young players, and again, they're under a lot of pressure. I think young players with county age groups and stuff. And and unless you've got a county or a you know a coach who backs the player, because it's a process. These guys are young players. If you say it doesn't matter what happens, I'm not going to drop you. Yeah. Because I can see something. You've got you've got the ability to play, and you will eventually you will be a good player. And you need to send that message across to them because I've just started doing some work. I was head coach of the Berkshire Women last year and it was brilliant. And they were scared stiff, scared stiff of getting out. So really trying to break down that barrier. And I said to them, you won't get dropped. I won't drop you. The only way I'll drop you is if you go in and just keep, yeah. keep blocking it. Yeah. You know, Then I'll drop you. But I'm not going to drop you for going out and trying to do the right thing because eventually you'll learn. But that comes down to... Firstly, the coaching setup and the environment, the environment that you, that you that you set. Yes, you've got to play aggressively, but you've got to be smart as well. And I don't just mean you just go out and slog every ball because it doesn't work like that, you know. But you have to, you have that. There's a, there's basically a, you know, there's a line, isn't there? There's a line that you don't cross, and it's that aggressive without being reckless. Yeah, no, that's that's one thing I think, which is just. Well, that would definitely take your scores on in T20 as well. Just, just actually just being, uh, you know, just, just uh, having a clear sort of mindset on how you want to go about it and, you know, having a backing. You're not going to get dropped. Yeah. You won't get dropped if you don't perform. Yeah. Whatever you do, do it quickly. If you're going to get out, get out in one ball. No, I think that's actually something in Guernsey, which uh, we were lucky enough to be coached by Nick Pothus. Uh, yeah. Like, and, and Skeg used to just say... I don't mind if you're trying to clear, for me, it's clearing long on and long off. He said, if you're trying to clear them, I don't mind. He said, if you're suddenly reverse sweeping, that's not yeah. you. He said, that's when I start minding is when you go yeah. to plan C, D or F, E, F, whatever. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you practiced it and, and you get out, you're going to get out. You get out 95% of the time. You fail 50% of the time and you're back. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, it is a game of, it's, it's not a game of failure, but there's a lot of failure in it. There's yeah, a lot of fun, and the other thing with with that as well, something which I'm quite keen to sort of get into a bit more is is uh, the mental side of the game. How, how do you deal with that um, almost like constant failure, if you like, uh, that you're going to fail at? How do you sort of coach a mindset of or an attitude where you know you just don't have that? It's, it's quite, something quite hard to coach, I guess. I I see. See, my lad, my lad, take my lad. He's 15 years old, right? He's he's quite small. Um. He's always he's always been out of play, right? Always been out of play. It's only now this season he got his first his first um, county fifty, yeah, and he's fifteen, right? And he got one, and he ended up getting four. 
So it's like anything, you get one and then you believe you can do it. But up till then, you know, he, all his mates goes and gets, go and gets 50s, you see. And it starts to play on him. You can see, I could tell, you know, so-and-so got a 50. I haven't got one yet. Um, but it's like, if you trust, look, I so saw I have, and I used to get nervous watching him bat. Yeah. Um, when he was younger, because you want him to do well because of him. Because it's him and he trains hard and he, you want him to do well. Of course you do. But with me, it was... I now I have, I'm not saying he's going to play professional cricket, but I have absolutely complete trust in his technique. I have complete trust in his technique and his process. So I watch him now and it doesn't worry me because I trust, I trust him. I trust his technique and the process. So he will eventually, and he's just now starting to get runs. Whereas other players who were big, Big and strong at 12, 13, they go and whack it everywhere. But they're technically, you go back to those foundations again, you're batting, you're, sorry, your fundamentals. You go back to your fundamentals. I said, he goes, oh, so-and-so got 80, he smashed it. I said, let's see if he's doing that when he's 16. He yeah. won't be. Yeah. And these guys now are suddenly slowly, because they've had success early, Yeah, they've dominated early, they don't know how to deal with failure. So the ones who fail at the start, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Because they have to persevere. They got to persevere and and keep going, and eventually, eventually, it comes good. Yeah, it does, no. and it's that's how I see it. And I see he's a big lad. Look, he won't. Good bowlers will get him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do. Whereas you're technically good, you're technically sound. You can deal with this, yeah. and that takes you to the next level. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's fascinating stuff. It's great to no. fail. It's great to fail early and I know and that's where parents must when they're young parents must you know they're 12 years old 13 years old it doesn't matter if he gets out it really doesn't you know yeah. but don't have a go at them when they get out because they'll <laughs> learn from getting out and it's a process you know I want to be there's only one player I saw he was eight when I saw him pretty sure I saw him at eight and I said at eight he'll play international cricket by the time he's 18 yeah. phenomenal human I've never seen anything like that in my life Watching him, he got 72 against us in an under-14 game in Mumbai, and he was eight. Yeah. And the only way we could get him out was run him out because he was so small. But he was perfect as a batter. I think he was technically better when he was 12 than he is now. Yeah. And that's because of white ball cricket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably. No, no, it's been fascinating chatting to you uh, and just, just, you know, how you go about your, your work and you know, the future of the game is obviously is going just going down that route. It is. It's, it's, you know, and coaches have to, you know, it's like players. If you're a coach and you work with a, you work with a 10 year old, right? So you work with him 10 years old and then you work with him till he's 13. All right. So you, what are you doing? Are you doing the same stuff? Are you coaching him the same way or are you moving forward with the game? Because the game, where's the game going to be in five years time? Yeah. You know, they won't hit the ball any less. Trust me. They won't suddenly go, right, we're going to block it now. They won't do that. Yeah. You know, so you will have, you've got, this has to be a part of, of, of this is as, as important as a full defensive and a back defensive. Yeah. Uh, call it a structure and attack. Try and create a structure and attack. But just, you know, and because the game is moving forward. And if you don't, you will just get left behind as a player and also as a, as a coach, you know. You've got to evolve with the game. For, for guys who uh, have, 
you know been fascinated by by this chat as I have been. Uh, where can they where can they find you on social media? Um, if you go to JW Cricket Academy, um, there's lots of info um, on the website. Um, there's we the, the weighted balls we can get a hold of. There's 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 um, weighted balls. There's weighted bats. I'm always travelling all over the place, really, all over the place. So you know, just keep an eye out. And if I'm around and you want to come along, please just come along and join in. And one thing I think is great for the coaches, like you would have known on the level three, is that you actually get to do it. Yeah. Once yeah. the coaches can do it and they feel it, then it's like, wow, that's good. I can see why they do that. Yeah. No, definitely. You I know, mean, like a lot of players would with the hurling sticks. I've had, I've had parents say, "Well, what's the point in that?" And I said, well, and I said, well, you don't know. And it's fine. It's, it's lack of understanding. It's fine. It's lack of education. Yeah. You don't understand it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and your son can't do it. So that's why you think it's no good. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Your son's not very good at it. Yeah. Whereas he might be able to sit there and block it all day, but he can't suddenly move and create an angle. So, yeah. you know, and everything we did doing on the level four yesterday, you know, the same thing. You know, it's different, but it's all relative. It's all relative to batting. Yeah. That's what it is. And the big thing is for coaches and for players, just be brave and go out there and give it a go. Because you never know what might happen. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you very much. It's it's been fascinating, like I said. So thanks very much for coming on and sharing everything with you. Enjoyed it. Good stuff. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and keep listening. Shoot me.